This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. Listeners, we are excited again to have you back for together. Uh, today, we have an amazing guest. Um, this is going to be one of those podcasts that we're going to ask you as a very mature couple to have kids, children, teens, maybe even leave the room and or if you're traveling in the car, put some muffs on them, you know, because because this conversation is going to be one that's intricately um, made just for you as a married couple. Um, we in our goal of talking about things that are relational and relative to you um, want to make sure that when we're staying positive and giving helpful advice, um, when we're, especially when we're talking about sex and intimacy, um, that those things are um, in a place that are um, conducive for that environment. And so I just want to encourage you as listeners to uh, make sure that you are in a place that you can listen to this with your with your spouse and that uh, hopefully it'll help create a, a conversation and create a way for you to talk about this later on after you listen to this podcast. So, uh, Kelly. It's a great time to to be alive. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I'm so excited to have Sarah here. Yeah. So I've known Sarah for a while, mm-hmm. and I supervised Sarah for a couple years. And so we really got to know one another, talking about cases she was involved in and got to know her a little bit personally. And when we were thinking about doing a podcast on sex, which if you're going to talk about marriage, you got to talk about sex, Sarah was the first who came to my mind. And so, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for doing the podcast and uh, shining a light on this issue of marriage. I think there's so many things that compete for our attention in this world. <laughs> and it. so it's a great reminder to take our relationship off of the back burner and do some reflecting and hopefully talking yeah. you know about these different issues yeah, that's that's it that's mm-hmm. it and so sarah if we could just start let's uh talk to our tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and mm-hmm. you know about your journey to getting to this space yes so uh sarah eastway as mm-hmm. you said i got my master's of science in counseling and have been working with clients since 2009 okay i love what i do i think it is a privilege that people invite you into the sacred space that is their life and their heart and that I get to come alongside and journey with them through life, which is wonderful and really hard sometimes. So, um, yeah, I started out in county-funded public mental health and then after having kids, wanted to work part-time, and I couldn't do that in that setting, so transitioned into more of the private practice agency setting. Mm. And after my youngest, I started my LLC here in Grand Rapids. So we were, I did start out in Sacramento, California, mm-hmm. but then moved to Grand Rapids, had my youngest, and then started my LLC Haven Alliance. And I office with Dr. Dan Ennis at Forest Hills Counseling Center. Ah. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a little bit about your family and your practice. But what did you do for fun? Like, what is, what is a counselor <laughs> yes. that does sex therapy type of stuff do for fun? <laughs> um, good question. Um, so I love to be outside. I love hiking. Yeah. I lo- I'm a game player. I love playing games and just quality time with friends and family and being involved in the community. Mm. I met my husband, Kevin, through Young Life. He okay. works full time for Young Life, uh-huh. which is a ministry for all types of kids, an outreach ministry. And so that's how we met. And we have our two boys as well as a young man who um, we met as a middle schooler. And then he needed a place to live. So he ended up living with us at the end of high school and beginning of college. And so he's been 
a big part of our family since yeah. then. And so, yeah. Like I never knew that things. when you, yeah. I saw that, Sarah. That's uh-huh. so cool. So yeah. how old is he now? Isaiah's 30 now mm-hmm. and has uh, is married with one kid and one kid on the way. And so, Very cool. Yes. It was hard during COVID to delay. We had a trip planned to meet the baby right away. And then mm. that got delayed because of COVID. So eventually got out to Sacramento to meet little Zachary. So, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So... What other, um, I know, you know, today's topic is about, you know, sex in the context of marriage. Uh, but what other kind of topics do you like to kind of navigate and work with in terms of your your clients? Yes, thanks. I uh, work with people on a variety of issues, and I love that variety, whether it's identity things or transitions. Anxiety and depression are so common these days. Um, so I love that variety. And over the years, I've found myself kind of falling into a couple niches, including couples counseling Mm -hmm. and then women's issues, um, particularly surrounding sexual issues, sexual pain, um, overcoming sexual trauma, that type of thing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's jump in and let's talk about this topic of sex, shall we? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So... As both of you know, you've got the top three issues in marriage, uh, communication or conflict resolution, money or finances, and then the third is sex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, out of all three of those, I think one of the challenges is that third one, sex, is maybe the most difficult to talk about if you're a couple and you're struggling in that area. And so on that Mm -hmm. note... We really hope that you can take a lot of the information and uh, that we're going to share today and kind of integrate that into your relationship. And if you are struggling in that area and you haven't had the courage to really talk to your spouse about this, um, maybe now might be the time. So with that, one of the cool things that I think about, because like Samuel and Sarah, I've done a lot of work with couples on sexuality. And one of the starting places that I go with them is that God is very, very Mm -hmm. pro-sexual. Even to the point, duh, he made us sexual beings, Mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But even beyond that, he dedicated an entire book to sexuality. And it's the Song of Songs. It's in the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. Uh, It was written by Solomon. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things about that book is it's basically erotica, okay? (laughs) That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So a little clue here. In the book, there's a lot of talk about navels and apples and lilies. Let me just tell you, you're going to have to do your own research. (laughs) Navels aren't navels (laughs) in the Song of Songs, okay? And apples aren't apples. Uh, And lilies might not be lilies. So uh, maybe you go find a good book on uh, Jewish literature or something <laughs> like that <laughs> and and do a deeper dive. But I think I think it is so beautiful that God in the Bible has a book of erotica, mm-hmm. which gives us a, kind of a roadmap to what maybe a sexual relationship can look like. So I've got a question for you, uh, you and Samuel. Sarah, mm-hmm. um, as a creation, so God made us, mm-hmm. and he made us emotional. Mm-hmm. He made us physical. We have a body. Mm-hmm. He made us spiritual. We have a soul. And he also made us mental, meaning he gave us an intellect and a mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also created us as sexual people, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, maybe why or what are the positives there? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, you just let's go Bible here. Number one, the two become one. He says, have dominion. He says, populate the earth. Mm-hmm. Populate the earth means procreation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you need that, sex for that. Right. Mm-hmm. You gotta have you gotta have sex for, for for some procreation. I think in that he also calls it good. He says, Man, I made you and I made you good. If mm-hmm. he takes pleasure in us, 
then that means we should also take pleasure in one another. Mm -hmm. And that's that sexual aspect. And so when we begin to do those things, you know, it begins to allow us to actually glorify God Mm -hmm. in that moment. So you can imagine that if if sex is also very, you know, emotional and spiritual and mental and physical, it's going to cover all those kind of places. And the Bible actually guides us and talks to us about those things, procreation, sexual pleasure, But also there's this space where we do have some level of a physiological response, Mm -hmm. you know, and in that, you know, we'll talk about science. We'll do the science of sex. Right. Let's do science. I'm sure you're going to you're going to just get into it and tell us a lot more. But like oxytocin, you know, Mm -hmm. there's an oxytocin release that causes a sense of trust and makes us miss our partners. Like, for example, my wife is not here. But you can bet by golly gee that I miss my wife right now. And when we get together, it's a great time. And so, you know, it's an I think it's also a natural painkiller. Um, you know, we sometimes see sex done in the context of you just got done with a crazy fight. But then all of a sudden, you know, that sexual opportunity, whatever, may have caused you to come and be like, man, I start, start to relieve, or relieve the pain in regards to the emotional piece of something that may have happened. I know you'll talk about that later mm-hmm. in the right and proper context. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also it triggers the release of endorphins, which reduces pain and stress. Also, oxytocin release causes a sense of trust and makes us, you know, in a sense of uh, um, boosting our immune system, you know, and. You know, I can imagine um, if it's, again, done in the right and proper context, I feel really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> interesting that, happens, right? that God, um, you know, designed us to have those hormones. And yeah. so I think that that speaks to the possibility that sex can be for pleasure as well and not just procreation. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that our bodies do give that oxytocin release and um, it can be something that brings us together. Mm. Yeah. I, I wonder like Sarah, like in this space of when we're trying to make love or trying, or when we do make love to our spouse, you know, what, what does that do in regards to, I guess, creating some type of opportunity? What does that mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. I think that it is an opportunity to say in the midst of everything else going on in our lives, here is the one thing that we share, just the two of us. Mm. And so it can be that place to connect. Um, I think it is also a time to be serving. I think that I've seen, and maybe you have too, that um, oftentimes you have one person in the marriage who says, well, I don't really want, I'm not interested in having sex unless I'm already feeling like we're emotionally connected. Mm. And then you might have the spouse who's thinking, well, man, the way I feel most emotionally close is when we have sex. So I would like to have physical intimacy so that I can feel greater emotional intimacy. Mm. And why those opposing views? Why would God give us those opposing views? And I, Because it can cause misunderstanding and conflict and all those things. But I think it gives us an opportunity to serve our our partner to mm-hmm. say, yep, there's times when I want my wants met and I want it kind of with my conditions after we've emotionally met. But there's also times when I can say, okay, I'm going to set myself aside and do what I know my partner would like in this situation. Mm. That's so good. That's it so is good. so good, yeah. Sarah. So let's talk about what, creates a healthy sexual relationship. I think there are some key ingredients and I'll give you one. One of the things that I, when I'm working with couples who uh, have reached out to me and want to work in this area, uh, one of the first things that I talk to them about is on some level, you've got to, you have to get on the same page in terms of how often you want to be sexual we're going to talk about this later, but we're going to talk about high libido versus low a uh, low libido person mm-hmm. in a marriage. But uh, often, like if you, number one, a lot of times couples don't even talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but number two, often when they do talk about it, they're on very different pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's important to get on the same page. Samuel, do you have uh, one or two that 
you think are in, important ingredients to a healthy sexual relationship? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think, uh, again, this is this is a, a adult topic. And so we're talking about not only, you know, your quantity, but we're also talking about how creative can you be, you know, in the midst of sex. It's not just your type. It's not just your style, but how we collectively agree to get there to that point where we both are having pleasure. And I think that that is a conversation that we encourage every couple to have. Mm-hmm. You know, what is appropriate in the bedroom? What does that look like? And having that conversation, you got to be able to do that. I have it all the time with my couples. You know, we're in the middle of counseling and everything's going good but sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and and you have, you know, what you'll, what you'll talk about, Sarah, is you have all your back history. You have all those mm-hmm. things. Maybe if you had partners before or if you had no partners at all, mm-hmm. all the things you're trying to navigate in terms of, well, how do we do this? Well, it's a conversation mm-hmm. and the conversation is not just about how often and how much, you know, it's sometimes about when, where mm-hmm. <laughs> and why, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that yeah. those things are important. That communication, I think, is so key. And I think it's interesting because our world throws sex at our faces yeah. in so many ways, you yeah. know, especially looking at the media. And then at the same time, we struggle so often to have an actual conversation about our own sexual lives with our partners or within the church. You know, I think that there's so many messages being sent to us, but then there's still taboo topics to talk about within the church. And we need to open up those lines of communication so we can figure this out. I, it's not, I think we say, okay, couples uh, don't have sex, don't have sex. Now you're married and it'll just be easy. Go figure it out. Have fun. And we need to communicate about it because there are all sorts of things that come up with it and different challenges or different expectations. So that being able to communicate about it is really key. Yeah. And Sarah, I remember when we, when we got a chance and I met you for the first time, you mm-hmm. talked about the importance of safety too, mm-hmm. in regards to like, how do you navigate safety as a part of that healthy sexuality as well? Absolutely. So um, for the purpose of this podcast and discussion, yeah. you know, when we're talking about having conversations about sex and working on different parts of sex lives, um, that is assuming that you are um, consensual adults who are choosing to have sex. And so even in a marriage, no one should feel forced to have sex or to do something they're not comfortable with. So we wanted to just kind of throw out that safety caveat. And also, if a person has a history of sexual trauma, if they're dealing with pain, a history of abuse, then it's likely that they might need to get some support in processing those things um, and might have trouble, you know, with sex being as enjoyable as it can be Mm -hmm. um, until they do some of that processing Mm -hmm. and get some of that support. So if you are somebody out there who is listening and you, part of your challenge with sex is that there is some sort of safety or trauma issue, you're going to have to deal with that first mm, to then be able to get so to the good important. stuff. The let's okay, let's get better at sex as a couple. So important. So important, Sarah. And, uh, and again, the other thing I really like what you brought out is uh for some, they maybe have sexual trauma in their past or abuse or other dynamics. And if you haven't really dealt with those things, it maybe is a barrier to you to having a healthy sexual experience. Correct. And therefore, one of the things that we're going to just over and over in this episode talk about is if you're struggling in this area, mm-hmm. please, please, please get professional help. Mm-hmm. Reach out to us. We have a lot of great counselors. Sarah would be mm-hmm. one of them mm-hmm. who work in this area and want to help you grow, heal, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So to switch gears a little bit, uh, one of the things that I have found in my practice with working with couples is that there's some myths or just things that they believe about sex or their bodies that just isn't true. And so you have to like work on that first. Mm -hmm. What are some of those things, Sarah, that you've seen Mm -hmm. in your practice where 
you have to uh, rework uh, what they think about the top, just about sex in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for some, especially Christian couples that, you know, you've been told don't have sex, don't have sex. And so sex can almost have this negative Mm. pressure built around it. So true. Um, And then now we're married and the next day I am just supposed to flip a switch that says, yes, sex, yes, sex, and go for it. And so just even um, how we talk about sex as the church, but also just um, knowing that it takes time to process that and that sex is not bad and it is God-given and it takes time to figure out. So I think another you know myth out there is watching all of the shows and movies we see with the music and the lights and candles. And there's never, it's just always so smooth going and everybody <laughs> ends up happy. And, you know, having to learn that sex takes a little more figuring out than that. Absolutely. Um, so that's a myth, I think, out there. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. Uh, you know, I remember just a story about that, um, a, a PG story. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I remember the I was working with a couple, and again, you know, they came up in an environment where, you know, again, the church talked about sex from a position of it's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not good for you. It's not good for anyone from the frame of you being single. Mm-hmm. But then you come into that kind. They came into this context of okay, we're we're getting married. You know, we're gonna you know talk about finances we're gonna talk about communication we do all the simbus related things mm-hmm. <laughs> right and and in that moment after they got married um one of the biggest things that they came back and talked to me when counsel was about our sexual relationship is not good mm-hmm. but we had to talk about what was their psychology what was their mm-hmm. upbringing what was their familial context and the church context which drove a lot of that ended up being the thing well we were taught that this wasn't a thing that you know and so now you have one person who has a high libido, you know, mm-hmm. which we're getting to. And another person's like, um, I'm not sure that this is the right thing that we should do. And they struggled with that for quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. And so being able to have a, a great conversation about those things and about, you know, it is being it is good. It is godly. It is pleasurable, you know, and that it sometimes takes time to get to there and that your partner has to allow you to have that time mm-hmm. is really important in it, as you were just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, another myth out there or just idea that I see come up in my work with clients um, that I, I try to shift is that um, the idea that sex is only successful or good if one or both people have an orgasm. Mm. And so helping couples redefine okay what does making love include Mm. and that so that's everything from you know holding hands and the foot rub all the way to orgasm and everything in between and so if we're prioritizing having this time of physical intimacy together that's the success Mm. no matter what the outcome is of that and so you know, not getting discouraged or upset if you don't have a certain outcome you were hoping for, mm. but being able to say, hey, this was good. This was good because we're working on us mm. and we are spending this time together. And so trying to just expand that definition of what's involved in making love and take the pressure off of the expectations mm. of well, what has to happen in order for it to be good? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, so I, just based based off you say that, I have a question. Mm-hmm. So we hear this old adage and this wonder if this is myth or truth. They say women are crockpots <laughs> and men are like microwaves. Right. Is, is that a, is that true? Is that a is that a myth? I think that there is a stereotype there mm-hmm. and stereotypes are some are often there. For a reason, because mm. in a lot of cases, it's true. Mm. So I think in a lot of cases, you might um, have it where the man is more interested in sex and ready to go right away. And the woman is less interested or it takes her longer to get in the mood. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely not 
always the always case. The case. And I, okay. I'm glad that we're pointing that out because for those couples where that's not the case, when everybody always assumes that that is how it is, mm-hmm. then you start thinking, well, what's wrong with me? You know, mm-hmm. so if it's the wife who wants to have sex more often, she's thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Because mm-hmm. all of the other husbands, you know, always want sex more than the wives. So why not me? And, you know, vice versa for the husband. So okay. I think it's a stereotype for a reason, but we never want to assume things are you know, true across the board. Don't assume. So good. So (laughs) good, Kelly. (laughs) Well, I think that's a perfect segue to talking about the high libido versus the low libido couple. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I found, especially in the church, is that uh, a lot of couples, we, you, for our listeners, you've heard Samuel and I talk about this dynamic before. You have to have three loves in your marriage. You have to have commitment. You have to have friendship. That means I like my spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, commitment is capital L, I love my spouse. And then you have to have uh, sexual love or eros in the Greek. And uh, you have to have all three. And the challenging thing with the couples that I've worked with who come out and reach out for help is they have great commitment. Mm-hmm. They have great friendship. Mm-hmm. but they're really struggling with Eros. And one of the dynamics that I have f- found consistently, and you, if you're going to do sex therapy, this is kind of like bread and butter stuff. Uh, a lot of couples are, uh, you'll have one person who is high libido, and then you'll have another person who is low libido. Mm-hmm. Uh, high libido would be, I want sex a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Uh, the other person is, eh, I could take it or leave it. Um, and I'm very much less interested in it. And then even to the point, remember earlier we talked about quantity. This is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of quantity. Uh, you know, the, the, the high libido person would say, uh, I want sex uh, twice a day. <laughs> and I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. I've heard three times a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Okay, I don't know how realistic that right, is. Right. Uh, but and but the other person is like, ah, once a quarter. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got mm. somebody who is, we'll just say once a day, mm-hmm. and versus once a quarter, mm-hmm. there are going to be challenges. Right. There's a conflict there. So, ta- Samuel, Sarah, talk a little bit more about your experiences in working with couples who are high versus low libido. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, you know, you mentioned quantity and I think what's interesting is that is very couple specific. So I think that it varies a lot. And so I don't know if they, I have people ask me, you know, is there like a magic number that we should be shooting for? And in my experience um, with couples, it really varies. So I have had, Couples who, if they're communicating about it and they're both being honest and they're both seem to be satisfied with twice a month, then good for them. And that's great. And that should be their quantity. You might have another couple who's like, well, twice a week isn't even close to enough. And so it really is uh, couple specific. And so then true. as you're saying, mm-hmm. even within the couple, that individual difference, um, you know, I think sometimes too for the the person who has a lower libido, it is um, it is that idea of well, maybe we need to have the emotional connection first. Um, I think there's also seasons of life where you do think it's important and you see the value and you have good intentions. But when your spouse initiates it, you're oh no no I but with the but with the intention of I know it's important and so you know maybe tomorrow will be a better time, but unfortunately you're tired, life is busy, and so it just keeps getting pushed further and further out. And so then um, you might be the partner that seems to have a lower libido, but really it's you have the intention and the desire of of knowing that sex is an important part, but it's trying to figure out, okay, how do we prioritize time in our marriage mm-hmm. so that uh, 
we're not too exhausted to have sex mm-hmm. so that we're not too emotionally distant to mm-hmm. want to have sex. Yeah. That's so good. You know, I could think too, um, and you mentioned it, Sarah and Kelly, this aspect of when seasons change and seasons shift, mm-hmm. for example, uh, and I'm I'm a man, so I can't get pregnant. But mm-hmm. my wife, mm-hmm. she can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And if someone is pregnant, they're going to have to have a conversation about, okay, now how often are we having sex? Mm-hmm. Things what change, is, right? What does mm-hmm. that mean? Mm-hmm. Right? We got kids running around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody's tired. Mm-hmm. How often are we getting ready to have mm-hmm. sex, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that those things that you brought out and mentioned in that, so many couples sometimes, especially if they're in their younger married years, um, where they're, and especially, I'll say this caveat too: when they, when their relationship is based off of sex, or sex has been made a god mm-hmm. in their lives, you know, I got together because sex was amazing with this mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what happens when things change? Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, we have an issue and problem based off of this thing that we made a god as a part of our marriage. Maybe our marriage is based off sex, and in that moment, you know, those couples that I've talked to that that has happened. It's been a thing of, okay, how do we now change and shift our thought processes and have communication about what this actually looks like, especially because one person has this high libido and another person now because of changes and seasons has a low one. Mm-hmm. And so I think that mm-hmm. those are key pieces as well. Well, and again, the, uh, the communication piece yeah. of um, sex can be a hard topic to talk about because yeah. there's lots of emotions involved in it. There's fears that, <laughs> you know, fears of inadequacy or fears of rejection. And so it you do have to be delicate when you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think another tip to throw in there is try to talk about it, not just in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think the only times people are talking about sex is after one person has tried to initiate and then it, then they feel rejected mm-hmm. and now we're all emotional and that's when we're talking about it. Mm. So let's try to have conversations about it, you know, just on your regular day in the afternoon or whatever, right? Like whenever you can just have a um, less heated conversation about it and then come to the table and say, okay, we want the same thing here. We're on the same side. We want to mm. um, both uh, figure out how to make sex a healthy part of our marriage um, and then communicate how do we do that. And so, you know, you mentioned something when you said the kids running around and the season of life with little kids. So um, back to your creativity piece, mm. I've seen a lot of couples get in a rut because they only consider sex when they're going to bed. Mm. That is usually in the past, always when it happened. And so that's That's just what they think. Well, the reality is when you're in those little kid and baby years and toddler years, I don't know a mom who doesn't reach the end of the day and she's just exhausted and crashing into bed and thinking, all I want to do is just lay here and be my own person. Mm. And if that's the case, okay, well, then you can have sex other times of the day. So we got to get creative and figure out, is there a time when, you know, could it be early in the morning? Could it be throwing on Netflix and the kids are watching something and you're going to the bedroom? Um, Because we got to troubleshoot together. So being able to sit down and have those conversations and uh, figure it out and troubleshoot. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, back to bringing up the science piece, I think when we're talking about high libido and low libido, libido the um, reality is that there are biological factors at place there. Um, and that can change over time with testosterone levels and estrogen levels. And I think, um, you know, the female orgasm is sometimes referred to as being really elusive. And so, you know, you got to be patient in trying to figure it out. And um, that doesn't mean that you are, if you're struggling to have an orgasm, that doesn't mean that you have a low libido necessarily. Mm. It might just mean that you need to do more things to try to figure it out. Mm. Um, But all of that takes the couple being willing to talk about things yeah. and say, yeah. hey, what do you think about this? How do you yeah. feel about that? Are you willing to try this? Yeah, Sarah, that's so good. And yeah. that kind of takes us to uh, just a brief topic I want to talk about. And that is if you are struggling, uh, you've got to read books. Mm. And 
and you've got to educate yourself and you've got to, for example, when you were talking about the woman or the male who's having trouble with orgasm, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of great books out there and I want to make a couple comments on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one is, uh, I've read a lot of books on sex and one of the things I've found is that there are some good Christian books. There's, <laughs> I, I've never come across a great Christian book. Um, and so I am often reading, for a better word, secular books. But mm-hmm. with that, when you're reading a, a secular book, you have to read critically. And you also have to realize you don't have to agree with everything that they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You okay? can pull out some golden nuggets you without some agreeing nuggets. with the whole thing. But they might be talking about some strategies or some techniques or some ideas that you're just not going to find in a Christian book. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't, number one, there aren't a lot of Christian books out there in the first place. And so uh, one way that I put it is, uh, in a certain sense, Christian books don't go too far, and maybe a secular book goes too far, um, or a, the Christian book doesn't go far enough, the secular book goes too far. And, uh, but just read critically, don't be scared. You know, if you go to a Barnes and Noble and you go to that section, uh, where they have the books on sexuality, you know, be adventurous and, and buy a book or two and, uh, read it critically. And, and I think that you will, um, get some really good stuff out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, on that note, Sarah, and I want you to start here. What are some starting points um, to connect better uh, sexually for couples? Like, what are some of the ideas that you've come up when working with clients? And then eventually here, we're going we're gonna to talk about a client or two that you worked with and how you walked them through um, their struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, well, an, another thing that I want to throw out there is um, with female sexual pain. That, mm. um, so, Uh, When you bring up a starting point, the starting point might need to be getting rid of or trying to decrease the pain that is present. And um, talk a lot about that with us, Sarah. Well, and I think, you know, there are a lot of things out there that give specific tips that where the Christian books don't go far enough. You know, mm-hmm. but can like, okay, different positions can help with um, pain. Using more lubricant can help with pain. Um, going to your doctor and making sure there's not a yeah. physiological problem yeah. that is attributed to it. Um, and so trying to figure out how to get to the bottom of where that pain might be coming. It might be insecurities and stress and pressure are causing yeah. the woman to just be physically tense, which is then causing pain. And so being able to say, okay, um, in order to enjoy this experience together, I got, I got to be more relaxed. Let's, let's enjoy this. Let's, um, not feel pressure about it. Let's do whatever strategies we need to do to decrease pain. Um, because man, that can cause a lot of conflict in a relationship when, Somebody wants to have sex more and more, but if you're in pain and it doesn't seem like your partner cares about that pain, you know, then, then, uh, it's going to be hard to want to have sex. Um, so figuring out what are some of the barriers there can be a good place to start. Um, yeah. What, so you're saying other starting points to connect. Well, another kind of like, uh, myth or something I've talked about in particular with male clients is, and this kind of gets back to the microwave versus crockpot thing. Uh, One of the things I found uh, just even also in my own life, women just are much more dynamic creations Mm -hmm. uh, in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. So as one example, um, orgasm usually for men is not a huge issue unless you're having like pre- premature ejaculation or or uh, erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, but a big thing for women can be orgasm uh, issues or the lack of. But at the same time, uh, 
women can have multiple orgasms, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So they're a much more dynamic creation. Oh, the complexities there. Yes. Yeah, the And the potential for the pleasure and the enjoyment mm-hmm. and it being a good thing is high. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that for some men, they, again, this goes back to educating yourself mm-hmm. of understanding your spouse at a biological level. Uh, your spouse is different from you. They're They're made differently. And to be more compassionate, like when you were talking about female sexual pain, um, you know, there I, I definitely have met with men like, oh, it's it's all psychological, or she's making it up, you mm-hmm, know, and mm-hmm. and to get them to a place of no, <laughs> she's she's most likely not making right. it up. It's real, and therefore you're going to have to adjust as a couple moving forward to um, and again to educate yourself. So. Mm-hmm. Why don't we um why don't we spend some time talking about a client or two cuz I when you talked about these two clients uh when we had coffee together I thought they were like two really excellent stories that maybe uh some of our listeners can really relate to uh and so why don't you share um Yeah, well I think the um The first example, um, I think, you know, covers a lot of things that we've already touched upon, but it it, it is a common story. And so um, I was working with a couple and they were a Christian couple, got married young and had waited to have sex. And and then you're married and sex didn't go well at first due to physical pain and a lacking of knowing what things can we try. And so it quickly, within the first few marriage months of marriage, became a difficult and hurtful topic. It was just this huge disappointment of, hey, we waited. I thought this was going to be the best thing ever. Now we're running into some roadblocks and, and we're just defeated. And um, it's emotional, and we're fighting anytime we talk about it. And so, I hear this story all the time. Yes, Sarah, yes. Um, the 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 woman in this case, the wife who was having pain, she felt inadequate, and like her husband would never think she was um, doing enough in the sexual arena of things and that she would never be good enough. And she was angry that her husband didn't seem to understand that her pain was an issue. And how can he just expect me to, to have this pain, but do it anyways. And so she's upset and he's feeling rejected and hurt because the wife doesn't seem to want to be close with him in that way. And so now he's not even really wanting to talk about it, or he even stops initiating it as much because he's just afraid it's going to end in a rejection again. And this is the cool part that mm -hmm. I want you to talk about. And that is they reach out to you Mm -hmm. and they begin to solve it, solve these issues with your help. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, even in therapy, the first few times that sex came up as we were talking about other issues, it you could just see the tension. And mm. it was it was just high conflict, defenses were up. And so we couldn't even get there right away. But after um, you know, several sessions and we're working on other things and they're feeling better about the therapeutic process, um, it was really just helping them understand. You're on the same team. Mm, so good. I they it had been so hurtful that any time they thought about sex or talked about sex, it had become a me versus them, mm. the other person, because we just so don't understand each other and we want different things. And and so to be able to say, hey, you're on the same team here. Let's let's try to come to the table and talk about this and brainstorm. I mean, remembering that. We want the same thing. We want to be able to have enjoyable sex. And then being able to just say, oh, when I look across the room and we're having this conversation, you're my teammate. Mm-hmm. You're not my opponent. Mm, so good. Um, just finally allowed them to have the conversations that they were trying to have 
but the defenses weren't going up um, as quickly and uh, fears weren't flying in their faces as much. And so we were able to just have these conversations of, okay, what do we want sex to look like? And what do we need to try? Um, And just opening up those paths of communication that had been just blocked because of the frustration and the pain and hurt. I love that story that you shared because I think there, I think there's a lot of couples out there um, in that sitting in that space Mm -hmm. and where it's at an impasse, whenever the topic comes up, it, it gets emotional, it gets angry and, I just, I cannot pound the table hard enough to say, you know, to our listeners, if you're in that space, sometimes, well, I would say this, oftentimes, the only way out of that is getting an unbiased third party who's professional, who yeah. does this, yeah. to help you navigate these intense, strong arguments. And it, and you know, you can, you could say this for any argument that's intense. It doesn't Mm -hmm. just have to be about sex, Mm -hmm. but this is the power of being a counselor in the, in the positive that they bring into your life. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that, um, yeah, when they're trying to have the conversations, they're walking away. And the biggest feeling they're walking away with is we, like they just don't understand me mm. like that that other person doesn't get how i feel and so being able to say okay so help each other understand how you feel is there a way we can talk about this oftentimes it might need to have the help of a third person or a counselor mm. is there a way we can talk about this differently so that instead of walking away with Ugh, they don't understand <laughs> or I don't get them, um, it's, okay, let's help each other understand where we're at so that we're on the same team. Love tackling it. I love issue. it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, Sarah, I, I wonder if in those spaces, um, especially on the man, on the male side, and this is not for all males, this is not all males that would say this, but for the male side, sometimes we may come in with certain expectations Mm-hmm. Based off of reality, you know, reality TV, based mm-hmm. off of our manhood, based mm-hmm. off of what our uncles and dads mm-hmm. have told us. And then that sometimes creates those spaces where, you know, I can imagine so many stories of guys I've talked to where it's it becomes like a thing where sex is about conquering something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sex mm-hmm. is about conquering something. Sex is about sometimes, well, I have these expectations that should be fulfilled mm-hmm. in the marriage bedroom. And mm-hmm. this is not a harp on guys. It's just sometimes that's how we're taught and how mm-hmm. we're trained. The messages. And, yeah. And receiving. so when we get into that space, um, and I love how you say it, we have to literally communicate about those spaces because otherwise you, then you deal with unfulfilled desires, which mm-hmm. turn into other things, mm-hmm. you know, and we go into our imagination instead of going back to reality to have those conversations. So I, I love what you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love what you're saying. Um, and so I guess that kind of turns to, do you, I mean, do you have any other stories that you want to just kind of just share? Well, I want you Sarah, yeah. to talk about yeah. that other one about the, the mm-hmm. a little bit older couple. Yeah. Um, that was a really neat story. Well, and I think just it's illustrating the power of being able to talk about things in the open. Um, so uh, the situation, it was a woman um, in her fifties and she had had a history of sexual abuse when she was a teen and she had had counseling before where she had processed that abuse and um, that had helped. It had helped removing some of her triggers and anxiety. Uh, and I asked her if, currently in their marriage if she is able to enjoy sex and she hesitated she didn't answer and then i said well are you able to have an orgasm and she very quietly said not with my husband mm. and i you know asked well is it is there anyone else and oh no 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 there's never been anyone else and i said well what about through masturbation and it was so dramatic just to watch her immediately break down and cry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, oh, wow, what have we just hit upon here? And she said, thank you so much for saying that word. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have struggled with this in secret for so long, and I've never been able to say that word. And and no no other therapist I've worked with or or anywhere in church or what no one else has said that word, and so I haven't been able to talk about it. So just by me being willing to talk about sex using words, you know, that, that can explain that we have different experiences. And so what I was able to do was I was able to normalize for her that a part of abuse can be that you have a sexual awakening. And so even though her abuse was traumatic and horrible and, you know, she had done that work before surrounding that part of it, her physiological body had responded to it. And so what had happened is she had started masturbating as a teen without even realizing what she was doing. Mm. And she had never talked about it with anyone. It was this huge secret Mm. and burden and shame. And I think that even things different than sex, I think that um, no matter what that secret or shame is, when we're wrestling with it alone, it just has so much power over us. I think Satan can just get in there and keep us from being able to bring it out in the open and talk about it because there's so much shame. But by being able to do that, by saying that word, we were able to bring it out into the light. She was finally able to tell her husband. She had never told her husband or anybody. This was just such a secret, shameful thing. And her husband was accepting and supportive of it. And they were able to figure out, okay, so what can we do now? Mm -hmm. And so just being willing to have the difficult conversations, um, the open conversations so that we can deal with our past and find some healing from our past mm. and not have the secrecy and shame. Mm. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a really powerful story. And again, it gets back to that secrecy and shame that so often resides for some people Because as we've talked about today, you know, sex is really hard. Sex is really hard to talk about. You know, I do, I work with couples uh, in sex therapy and sometimes it's still difficult for me to talk about, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, it's just a very challenging, it's a very intimate topic, Mm -hmm. duh. And, um, and so I think I'm, again, I just hope that if you're struggling in this area, and uh, that you'd reach out and get help. So let's uh, let's wrap this let's wrap this up, mm-hmm. and uh, let's just uh, let's just summarize and go around the room and just talk about like what would be what would be a couple of takeaways that you think uh, you really want uh, a listener to walk away from, and and maybe it's even something we haven't talked about. Maybe it's mm-hmm. something that you thought up uh, while we've been talking together. Because this has been such a rich conversation, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts, Samuel? Yeah, what, what I, would you? I definitely think, and, and this is just maybe even due to my work with um, couples who are in their premarital season. You definitely should have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Have a conversation, you know, um, especially contextually if it has to do with your past. Mm-hmm. You know, your your spouse should be uh, on the understanding of what has happened. Um, um, and what's going on, you know, uh, definitely if it's something that's been put out there, mm-hmm. um, during that premarital season also, you might want to talk about what has been taboo, you know, what has been those topics in regards to sex that you've been, you know, as we talked about, Sarah, what is the messaging that's been around? You mm-hmm. know, what have you been taught? What has your parents taught you? What has society taught you? What have you come to believe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and in those moments, you know, you'll get a chance to have a really good education as Kelly mentioned, about how they may be believing myths or truths um, mm-hmm. in that moment. And then also I think that you have to be very, uh, you have to be very conscious as a premarital couple um, in that season of what are you going to model your relationship after? And what I mean by that is in many cases, when we talked about books, 
You don't want to take every single thing from the book. You're like, well, I saw this movie and this right, was right, this is right. what this is what sex looks like. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get across the mar- marital line or you get started <laughs> in your marriage relationship. And all of a sudden you're in this moment where you're thinking about, well, sex is not like the movie, mm-hmm. right? As we've been mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I think really understanding from a, a perspective of Song of Solomon, some really good books, those nuggets that we've all been talking about today, you know, what. Does what do we want our sexual relationship to look like once we get married? Mm-hmm. I think it's a great mm-hmm. conversation that you have to have, mm-hmm. you know, in that place of being in that premarital phase, you know, and starting that. So that's definitely one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think after you're married, mm-hmm. realizing that, okay, now the real work has begun. Mm-hmm. And so we need to talk about it. And, you know, we've talked a lot about talking about it with one another. Um, Kelly, you mentioned counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned reading. Um, I think being able to talk about it uh, with a couple trusted friends, Mm -hmm. or if you have a mentor or a mentor couple that you're working with, can we talk about this in a respectful but open way in the church more? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not for the purposes of um, gossiping or, you know, it is a private thing. So um, sometimes we think that means we can't talk about it. But when it comes to understanding different things to try, if you're having issues Mm -hmm. or, hey, my friend went to this doctor or, hey, this is what we tried when that happened. Can we have more of those conversations Mm -hmm. in a a safe, trusted context so that we can um, just expand our knowledge and base on what it is we can do to work through sexual differences or sexual obstacles. Um, So opening up that, yeah, the communication within the couple, but also let's talk about this uh, within the church. Let's talk about this with some trusted friends. Let's read some books. And as a starting point, my final word on it, um, my final word on it would be, uh, If you are one of those couples who's struggling, you're not satisfied, or you just know something's off in your sexual relationship with your spouse, to somehow find that courage to just have the conversation. And a couple ideas there would be, A, uh, maybe you might want to write it down first. Mm -hmm. Like, write down what you want to say. Mm -hmm. And you might even need to read that to your spouse Uh, The second thing would be very purposeful about it. Uh, Schedule it. As Sarah, you mentioned, do not have this conversation uh, when you're really emotional about it. Uh, Have it when everything is dialed down. And just, you know, go to your spouse and say, hey, can we have an hour on Saturday afternoon? I just want to talk to you about some things. Mm -hmm. And then finally, which was kind of alluded to, For some people, you might be really angry about this in your life and dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Go back to what Sarah said. Remember, remember at the end of the day, uh, you're on the same team with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, And to have that mindset before you go in and have this difficult conversation, I think is really important. Yeah, I, one word um, I like to encourage couples to use is as when you're talking about it, especially initially, is connecting. So sometimes we can go into these conversations saying, why don't you ever want to have sex with me? Or, um, but instead saying, I would like us to feel more connected with mm, one another. So good. I wish we were more connected. And that means emotionally and physically. What do you think we can do? to get to the place where we're feeling more connected. Like let, let that be a way to start the conversation versus very um, good with anger. Yeah. (laughs) That is amazing. That's great. And I think that is, you know, before um, our listeners get off the air, I think that is the key question that they should probably go home and ask today, Mm -hmm. you know, and and Sarah, number one, I want to say thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very much. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for being on together. You have brought such a a needed refreshing element. This probably is going to be the best podcast, (laughs) (laughs) top podcast, top list podcast in the uh, year of 2021. It's it's like we've been saying, it's a hard topic that we need to talk about. And we just barely scratched the surface Uh, as far as staying kind of broad. Yes. I mean, yeah. there could be many more podcasts that 
would went into more specific topics. But That's absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. awesome. Well, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this. And just to kind of make sure you have a couple points to walk away with, we want to make sure you know that sex is very much a part of God's original plan between a husband and a wife. Um, we know it's meant for both enjoyment and also, guess what? It gives glory to God. Um, another key point that we've kind of can walk away with from this is that it should be preceded by a honest and transparent emotional, mental, and physical conversation that allows people to experience the fullness of it. And lastly, just like Kelly said, sex is educational. It's something that both people have to learn to truly appreciate each other. If you have enjoyed this podcast, again, share, subscribe, like it, tell your friends who may not even go to church and uh, let them know that Together's on the Air to give you really great content just like this podcast. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your listening platform is and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.